Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Port St. Lucie. Let's join lead pastor Mike Wiggins for the message, Good News for All. All right. Well, Jim Elliott. How many of you heard of Jim Elliott? Let me see your hands if you heard of him. About a quarter of you. Jim Elliott was born on October 8th, 1927 in Portland, Oregon. He grew up in a very solid Christian home and he received Jesus as his savior uh, when he was just a, a little guy and he grew up knowing and loving the scriptures and knowing and loving Jesus Christ. When he was 18 years old, he decided to go to Wheaton College because he wanted to focus on his walk with the Lord. And so while at Wheaton, his faith grew stronger and so did his desire to become a missionary. When Jim Elliott was 22 years old, after Wheaton, he uh, enrolled in the Institute of Linguistics in order to study unwritten languages. And around that time in his life, when he was 22, God called him specifically to go to Ecuador. Now, Jim had this love for the Quichuas, the indigenous people of Ecuador, especially those who lived in the tropical rainforest there in eastern Ecuador. And so eventually he traveled uh, to that nation with another missionary, a guy by the name of Pete Fleming. And together um, with Pete Fleming, Jim Elliott uh, and Pete, they joined the, the Mission Aviation Fellowship so that they could learn more about these indigenous tribes there in the Amazon jungle. And so when he was 26 years old, Jim Elliott finally married his childhood sweetheart, Elizabeth Elliott. And God blessed Jim and Elizabeth with a little baby girl whom they named Valerie. And so the Elliots settled down in a place called Shandia, Ecuador. If you go like I did this past week to a map of Ecuador, you'll see the Andes Mountains, which I've had the privilege of going up to the tops of the Andes Mountains and um, um, ministering and, and sharing the, the faith of Christ with the indigenous people. But then to the east of the Andes Mountains, of course, is the Amazon jungle. It's the tropical rainforest of Ecuador, and Shandia is right around that area there. And so Jim and his wife, Elizabeth, and their daughter, Valerie, they settled in Shandia, and with other missionaries, they began to make specific plans to reach a tribe called the Wadanis. The Wadani tribe uh, was a, a group that had virtually no contact at all with the outside world. And so through the help of a woman who had left the Wadani tribe earlier, Jim was able to learn some of the Wadani language, and eventually him and his friends got on a plane and they flew deep into the Amazon jungle to try to reach these people. And so Jim's friends were Roger Udarian, Pete Fleming, of course there you have Jim in the middle, Nate Saint, who was their pilot, and then finally, Ed McCauley. And so Nate Saint and Jim Elliott, for weeks, would take uh, the plane deep into the Amazon, and they would circle around the village where the Wadani tribe were. And for weeks, before ever landing the plane, they would drop baskets of gifts. They would fly their, their plane in a circle, 
And so that the, the, the basket would literally just be stationary right there in the middle of the tribe and they would send gifts to these people as a gesture of goodwill to try to make friendships, to try to have a common bond. When they finally felt comfortable enough to land the plane, Nate Saint found this sandbar right in the middle of the Curare River there in the Amazon near the, the village where the Wadanis were. And so one by one, Nate Saint flew each of the other four missionaries and dropped them off on the sandbar. And the men began to camp and wait for contact with the Wadanis. Day one, day two, day three, day four, nothing. But finally on the fourth day, finally some Wadanis came out, emerged from the jungle. Two women and one man. And at first, you know, they were nervous. The five missionaries were nervous. What's going to happen here? But it ended up being a really positive visit initially. And so they ate together. They laughed together. They tried to communicate, but it was very hard. Nate Saint actually took one of the Wadanis up in his plane and flew him around the jungle. And so when their time together with these three Wadanis was over, the missionaries encouraged them, hey, the next time you come... Bring more from your tribe. And so they left. The men continued to camp. On day number six, the Wadanis came back. First, it was two women emerging from the jungle. But then, sadly, ten warriors came out with their eight-foot-long spears. And they, sadly, had believed a lie. You see, the guy that Nate Saint took up in the plane, for some reason, he told a lie about the intention of the missionaries, made the missionaries out to be bad guys, angered the rest of the tribe. And so 10 warriors from the Wadani tribe, spears in hand, attacked and killed Jim Elliott and his four friends. On January the 8th, 1956, these five missionaries were martyred for Christ. Later, their bodies were found washed up on the riverbank there of the Curare uh, River. Jim Elliott was only 28 years old. Now, some people will, will say, is it really worth it? You know, is it really worth giving your life to reach the unreached for Christ? I mean, come on. Isn't it really kind of a waste? Isn't it foolish? Let's see how Jim Elliott will, would respond to that. He said in his journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I want, I want those words to just sink farther than your heads this morning. I want you to, to allow, with the help of the Holy Spirit, those words to sink down from your head, down into your heart, and hopefully someday to your feet, and my head, to my heart, and hopefully to my feet as well. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see, Jim Elliott knew that by giving his life to reach the unreached, that wasn't foolish, absolutely the opposite. It was very wise. It was the wise thing to do. You see, ladies and gentlemen, eternity will bear this out. It is the fool who wastes his life. It is the fool who makes a decision to live for him or herself. It is the fool who always says, what do I want to do? How can I be happy? How can I be fulfilled? 
and this life is just a vapor. We're here today, we're gone tomorrow, and one day we'll be standing eye to eye with the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. And it is the fool who wastes his or her life living for themselves. But it is the wise person who decides that they're gonna give their life for the cause of Christ. It's the wise person who says, what does Christ want me to do? How can I be a blessing to the Lord? You see, Jim Elliott, he gave what he could not keep. What's that? He gave his time. He went to Wheaton. He enrolled in the Institute of Linguistics. He joined the Mission uh, Aviation Society. He packed up his bags and went to Ecuador. He got, spent time immersing himself in the word, immersing himself in prayer, growing in his walk with Jesus Christ. He gave that which he could not keep, his time. He gave his talents, his giftings. God gifts us all with certain spiritual gifts and he wants us to give those gifts back to him in service to him. We can't keep it, Jim Elliott gave it. He gave his time, he gave his talents, he gave his treasure, his, his financial gifts to the Lord and most of all, he gave his life. How many of you know we can't keep our lives? And so Jim Elliott decided I'm gonna give my life as a living sacrifice to the Lord. He did all of that so that he could gain that which you cannot lose. What's that? One day hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll never lose that. And also, we will see one day Jim Elliott walk up at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and we'll see him get eternal rewards that he'll be able to enjoy in the kingdom of God forever. Now, again, I always say this because I wanna be crystal clear. We don't do good things in order to earn heaven. We know that, right? Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It's, it's a gift from God. It's bought by Jesus Christ, paid in full by him on the cross. And so we look to the resurrected Lord as our savior and king, right? But our faithfulness in our lives will determine whether or not we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Our faithfulness in this life, whether we gave what we cannot keep in order to, to, to get what we cannot lose, giving of our time, our talents, our treasures, those things will be rewarded in eternity. And so the story doesn't end there. With God's help, check this out. Elizabeth Elliot, she decided to forgive the ones who killed her husband. And not only did she forgive the ones who killed her husband, she actually took her daughter Valerie and Nate Saint's sister and they moved and lived with the Wadanis for two years. And so through the witness of Elizabeth Elliot and other missionaries, many Wadanis received Jesus Christ as their savior, including the ones who killed those missionaries. Isn't that amazing grace? And so one of the men uh, who was part of the 10 warriors that killed the missionaries, he got saved. His name was um, Minkayani. He's still alive today. By, by the way, Nate Saint, who is, uh, I'm sorry, um, Steve Saint, who is Nate Saint's son, also moved in with the Wadani tribe. He's still there today ministering to the Wadanis. And so Minkayani said this, I have killed 12 people with my spear. 
but I did that when my heart was black. Now, Jesus' blood has washed my heart clean, so I don't like that anymore. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing what, what God can do with somebody? And by the way, if Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and the other guys did not give what they cannot keep, and they did not go to Ecuador and go into the tropical rainforest and, and give their lives, and then later on, other missionaries coming in, this guy would never have been saved. And yet now he knows he's been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to, you can read more about Jim Elliott in his wife's book, Shadow of the Almighty. By the way, Elizabeth Elliott just went home to be with the Lord this past June. And then also in 2005, there was a docudrama film um, that was created uh, from the perspective of Steve Saint, Nate Saint's son, called End of the Spear. Okay, it's PG-13, so parents, I really encourage you to watch it before you let your kids watch it to see if you think it's appropriate for them. And so in our passage today, we're gonna talk about another missionary who was willing to risk his life to reach the unreached. And of course, we all know who he is. We've been talking about him now all year long. He's the author of the letter to the Romans. It's the Apostle Paul himself. And so in our section of Romans, where we are today, um, Paul's gonna write about his missionary work. He's gonna talk about his desire to reach the unreached, to take the gospel of Christ to places and people that have never heard the name Jesus. So today we're gonna to pick it up in verse 14. So right now, if you're looking at Romans 15, 14, just say amen so I know you're with me. Amen. Let's follow along together, okay? He says, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points. Okay, we've seen that in the last 14, 15 chapters of Romans. Paul's written more boldly on some points to these people. As reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God, here it is now in verse 16, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the who? Ministering the gospel, the good news of God, that the offering of the who might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so even though Paul was Jewish, he was called primarily to the Gentiles. The Lord would later on say to his servant Ananias about Paul these words in Acts 9.15. He, Paul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my names before who? Kings and the children of Israel. Now, if you've ever read the book of Acts, you know that Paul did exactly what God said he would do. He took the gospel to the Gentiles. He took the gospel to kings, those in positions of leadership. He took the gospel also to his own people, the, the children of Israel. But primarily, Paul was known as the apostle to the Gentiles, and we know this because in Acts, here's what he did, he was a missionary, he left Jerusalem, he left Judea, and he went throughout the whole Roman Empire, the whole civilized world in the first century, sharing the good news of Christ with people who have never heard of Christ. 
And he saw himself as a priest. Look again at verse 16. This is interesting to me. He says that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Here it is. That the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Here's your, your uh, point this morning, your first point. Paul saw himself as a priest who'd offered up new believers as living sacrifices to God. It's interesting, isn't it, what you, what you find when you go slowly through the scriptures? I had never really even thought about that before this week, going verse by verse by verse, but I saw, you know, he, he talked about the offering of the Gentiles. And so Paul actually saw himself as a priest, a priest who offered up new believers, those Gentiles throughout the Roman Empire that he led to Christ, as living sacrifices to God. And you might say, what do you mean by living sacrifices? Well, how many of you remember Romans chapter 12, one and two, right? I beseech you therefore, brethren, Paul just said three chapters ago, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, to this culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so offer yourself, Paul says in Romans 12, as living sacrifices. You know, some people will boast, I would, you know, die for Christ. I would be willing to do what Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and the rest of those guys did. I'd be willing to give my life and die for Christ. And I would say, great. But in the meantime, will you live for him? Will you be a living sacrifice? You see, so many people talk about, I'll die for Christ, and they're not even living for the Lord. Live for him. You and I have an opportunity to be living sacrifices. And so here's what Paul did. He'd go throughout the Roman Empire. He would preach the, the name of Jesus to people who had never heard, and he would lead them to Christ. And then once he led a Gentile to Christ, Paul would exhort that person. Hey, I told you about everything that Jesus has done for you. So now in response, stop living for yourself and begin to live for the Lord. Be a living sacrifice. And then Paul would no doubt later go to the Lord in prayer. And as a priest, he would pray for that person that he specifically led to Christ. And he would say something like, Lord, I offer this Gentile up to you as a living sacrifice. Holy Spirit, fill him, sanctify him, make him, make her holy unto you. And so that's the way Paul thought. Paul led people to Christ. And then after he led them to Christ, Paul offered them as living sacrifices. Question, have you ever led anyone to Christ? You can answer that in your heart. Have you ever led anyone to Jesus? Maybe the Lord hasn't called you to get on a plane and go to the tropical rainforest of Ecuador like Jim Elliott. Maybe the Lord hasn't called you to go on three missionary journeys and share the gospel with people like the Apostle Paul, but God has called you to share Christ with people in the, the sphere of your influence, those who are in your world, 
your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family members. He wants you to be equipped. And then he wants you to develop relationships with people. And then as he opens those doors, he wants you to walk through those doors and he wants you to share the love of Christ. Now, if you don't feel confident sharing the gospel with somebody else, we wanna help you. And that's one of the reasons we devised these classes, um, our next step classes. And so Pastor Jacob has been leading these classes with his team. And you have Discover Calvary, formerly known as our next class. And so in that class, if you wanna make this your church home, then what you do is you discover more about this local church. What is our vision? What is our doctrine? What are we doing um, in, in the future? What are our values? Then, after that class, you go to Start to Follow. In that class, you learn the basics of Christianity. You find out how to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. Then after that, we have Shape. And so we find out how God shaped us and how he gifted us in order to serve him through our giftedness, the, the, the gifts the Holy Spirit has given to us. And then finally, um, which is appropriate for our message this morning, we have Tell Someone. Tell Someone is all about how to confidently share your faith with other people. And so Pastor Jacob and his team are finishing up the fall semester, but they're going to start a new round of these classes on January 10th. Everybody say January 10th. Okay, so that's Discover Calvary, and then each of those next steps will line up right after that during our winter and spring semester. So I wanna encourage you to jump in and become equipped and feel confident on how to share the gospel with people in your sphere of influence. In the meantime, while you're waiting for Jan January 10th, you can pick up this book, Tell Someone. It's been written by Pastor Greg Laurie, who's the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. He's a pastor, he's an evangelist, he does the Harvest Crusades, uh, he's a Calvary Chapel guy, and that book, if you'll get it and read it, will help you feel confident and inspired of how to share your faith. Another thing you can do is you can go out with um, our community witnessing team twice a month, the team led by Jack Worrell. They go out, and these people, I'm amazed every year, I I'm amazed at Every year, this team leads so many people to receive Jesus as their savior. From Jan, check this out, from January through October of this year, the last 10 months, the wit our, our, our community witnessing team has led 170 people to Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's an awesome thing. And so that's another opportunity. You say, well, I could never do that. Well, if you don't feel confident right away, uh, Jack, or one of the leaders, will put you with somebody who um, is a pro at it or, or used to doing it, and you can just stand and watch and listen and pray. Uh, but however you choose to share your faith, here's what I know. One of the greatest, listen, one of the greatest joys you'll ever experience in life is when you lead someone to Jesus. Have you led anyone to Christ? I'm not here to put a guilt trip on anybody because it's not a have to. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a get to. We have the honor and the privilege of sharing the love of Jesus, the greatest story ever told with people who so desperately need him. Look at verse 17. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus. And by the way, he didn't glory in himself. Do you see that? 
he gloried in Christ Jesus, in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. So Paul knows that there's other church planners and other evangelists and missionaries. Um, they have their stories. Paul would say, let them share their stories. I'm just gonna share for the glory of Christ what Jesus has accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. Verse 19, in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that, this is amazing, from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul fully preached the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Now, you say Illyricum, where's that? Well, the region of Illyricum back in Paul's day was up on the east, eastern shore of the Adriatic Sea. And so you got Italy, right, the boot, you can picture that, you got the Adriatic Sea, and then you have um, Illyricum, the region of Illyricum back in the, in the first century. Now it's uh, called the, um, the Balkan Peninsula, former Yugoslavia. And so from Jerusalem to Illyricum is some 1,400 miles. Okay, did you just see what Paul just wrote? He said, I have fully preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus, from Jerusalem all the way up to the region of Illyricum, 1,400 miles. A modern-day equivalent of that distance would be from Port St. Lucie all the way to Manchester, New Hampshire. So I want you to imagine somebody taking the gospel, the good news of Jesus, all the way up the east coast of the United States of America, sharing Christ, planting churches. And Paul did that in the first century without a plane, without a train, without an automobile. He didn't even have a bike. All he had was a camel or maybe a horse, if he was lucky, or a donkey. And yet he covered 1,400 miles. Now, here's something else I didn't know until this past week. It's amazing when you dig into the Word what you find out. But what I found out is that Paul's trip from Jerusalem to Illyricum, sharing the gospel, that is not recorded in the book of Acts. And so what does that mean? That means that all that church planning and sharing of the gospel for 1,400 miles was on top of everything else that the man did that's recorded by Luke in Acts. So how in the world did Paul accomplish that? He told us in verse 19. He says, in mighty signs and wonders, here it is, by the power of the Spirit of God. That's how he did it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're with me right here, say amen. amen. This is what you gotta get. If you're ever going to be effectively used by Jesus Christ, it's gonna be by the power of the Spirit of God. Here's your next point. Paul was empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. That's, that's your key right there. So you remember in Acts chapter one, the risen Christ tells his disciples, I want you to wait, everybody say wait. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive, until you receive the promise of the Father. Wait, don't go out, Peter. <laughs> 
John, James, Matthew, the rest of you guys, don't go out and start your ministries yet. No, 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 no. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? It's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's right there in Acts chapter one. The promise of the Father is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Speaking of this promise, Jesus said this, you shall receive what? Okay, there's the key right there. How did Paul do it? Right there. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, what's the word? Upon. Now, how many of you guys believe in verbal inspiration, that every single word has been breathed out by God? Okay, and so in the original language, it doesn't say in, E-N. It's not a preposition that says in, equivalent with our English word, I-N. That's not what it says. It says E-P-I, which is upon. So there's the key. You want power in the first sentence? You gotta have the Holy Spirit come upon you in the third sentence. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you shall be, what's the word? Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so what you gotta get is that the Holy Spirit already lived inside of these disciples in Acts chapter one. They're disciples, they're believers. As soon as you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and he indwells inside of you. That was not the issue, the Holy Spirit was already inside, but they needed, listen, they needed another experience. And I wanna drive that home to you guys because some people are just so comfortable with the Holy Spirit living inside of them. There is another experience. It's had to come upon you. And so the Holy Spirit was already inside and Jesus said, don't go start your ministry yet. You need to wait. You need to wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You need to wait until he fills you and he fills you so much that he's flowing out of you. And then when he's coming out of you, then you can go to the whole entire Roman Empire in the power of my spirit, and then you'll see fruit, because only then will you be effective witnesses for me. That's the key. And so the disciples experienced this filling in Acts 2-4, the day of Pentecost. Paul, later on, gets saved. He experiences this filling in Acts 9-17. And later on, after he received the filling of the Holy Spirit, he writes to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 5.18, hey, Christian, stop getting drunk on wine. <laughs> That's always a good reminder for Christians, by the way. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but, here it is, be filled with the Spirit. He's talking to Christians. The Spirit already lives inside of them in Ephesus. He says, I want you literally to, in the Greek, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, do you have the Holy Spirit living in you? Yes or no, just shout it out. Yes. All right, praise the Lord. But are you allowing him now to fill you and flow out of you? That's the question. It's one thing to be a container of the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to be a conduit. 
and let him flow out of you, his power, his love, his wisdom to impact other people. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Jim Elliott needed before he could take the gospel into the Amazon jungle. That's what Paul needed before he could take the gospel to the Roman Empire, and that's what you and I need before we can take the gospel to those in our sphere of influence. And so every morning when you're spending quality time with the Lord, that should be a given. And if you're not spending quality time with the Lord, listen, this is not your experience. I I guarantee you that. And so while you're spending quality time with the Lord, ask him, Lord, fill me to overflowing on this day. I empty myself of myself. I surrender myself to you. And I ask you to fill me to overflowing so that I can glorify you. Remember our priorities? Glorify you, serve other people, and then it's about me down here somewhere. And so ask him to do that. R.A. Torrey, a contemporary of D.L. Moody, wrote a great book on this subject. It's called The Baptism with the Holy Spirit. By the way, we have Tell Someone and this book, Baptism with the Holy Spirit, um, in our cafe. Um, And so you can grab that if you'd like to or order it. Look at verse 20 now. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, You see that? That's the heart of an evangelist. I have made it my aim to preach the gospel not where Christ was named. That's the heart of a missionary. Lest I should build on another man's foundation. Now, now there's nothing wrong with building on another man's foundation. Pastor teachers do it all the time. People like me do it all the time. You know, people are, some people have the gifting of pastor-teacher, other people have the gifting of evangelist. Guys like Greg Laurie have both giftings, okay? But, but the, the thing is that it's a missionary's heart, like Paul, to take Jesus where Christ has never been named. Why? Verse 21, as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard, they shall understand, like guys like Minkayani, <laughs> And by the way, he's quoting there from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 15. And so Paul was a trailblazer for Christ. Like the crew members of the Starship Enterprise, Paul wanted to boldly go where no man has gone before. That's what he wanted to do. People have never heard the name of Jesus. Paul wanted to fulfill the great commission. Here's what the risen Christ has been. Um, the great commission, we'll put it up on the screen. Uh, This is the command from the risen Christ to all of us, okay? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What's the word? Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, okay? And so 13 years ago, the Lord spoke to our hearts, me and my wife Stacy. We were down in Jupiter. He said, go. Now, for us, it was poor St. Lucie. And so we drove 45 minutes north, we bought a house, we started this church in the living room of Lee and Julie Holly, and we've been, ever since that day, for 12 and a half years, making disciples, okay? And so that's one way you can do it. That's one way you can do it. Another way you can do it is you can be a missionary. We thank God for guys like Adoniram Judson, who took the gospel to Burma, David Livingston, who took the gospel to Africa, Hudson Taylor, who took the gospel to China. Eric Lydell, the Olympic gold medalist, who took the gospel also to China. And of course, Jim Elliott, who took the gospel to Ecuador. 
And so like the apostles, these guys were willing to go and make disciples of all the nations. Here's my question for our church family. Are you willing to help make disciples of all the nations? Are you willing to get in the game and get off the sidelines? And so if you're willing, be careful. God may call you. And by the way, that's my hope, that's my dream for this church for the next 10, 15, 20 years or however long before the Lord comes back or he takes uh, some of us home. My passion, right, is not just to reach this community. My passion is also to send people out to plant churches around Florida, America, and around the world. That would be a beautiful thing. And so are you willing? Just be careful because as soon as you drop down your, your uh, defensive barrier and you say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you say, he may call you. He may call you to go to Burma or Africa or China or Ecuador or Haiti or Peru, or he may call you to stay right here and be a witness to all the nations right here. Isn't it interesting, amazing, how diverse poor St. Lucie is? Isn't it amazing how many different cultures we have right here on the Treasure Coast? And so God may call you to go to all the nations, or he may call you to stay and minister to all the nations right here. Whatever God wants you to do, he's the boss, he's the potter, we're just the clay, right? And so the need is great. You guys have heard us say, say this now for a year and a half, but can you believe from West Palm Beach to Port St. Lucie, this little area right here on the east coast of Florida is number one in the nation for never-churched people? I'm not talking about unchurched, that's a whole different category and study. I'm talking about never-churched. There are more people from West Palm to Port St. Lucie who've never darkened the door of a church ever in their life here than in any other area in the um, metropolitan area in the United States of America. The mission field's right here. And so what is God calling you to do? Here's what he's calling you to do. Become equipped to share the gospel. And then develop relationships with lost people. Ask the Lord, Lord, what could I get involved in where I'm rubbing shoulders with people who are far away from God? And then, you know, don't let it be always Christians, right? Try to get to know lost people, people who are far from God. They don't even probably know they're lost. And it's not like they're down here and we're up here because we used to be lost too. We're all right here. And so get to know them. And so get equipped, develop relationships, and then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you every day and give you open doors. When he gives you the open door, it'll be so crystal clear. You're in a conversation, the door is open. Now it's time for you to step up and to share your faith in Jesus Christ. Another thing you can do is you can take the invite card on your seat and invite them to Calvary. Let them come here and hear the gospel. And so I'm gonna leave you with this. Here's your last slide today. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. 
again, what did, what did this man give? He gave his time. He gave his talents. He gave his treasure. He gave his life. So what is he going to gain? Well, he already did it. He heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. As he laid on that sandbar in the Curare River with an eight-foot spear sticking through his body, he saw Jesus, and he heard those words. And one day, as I said earlier, at the judgment seat of Christ, we'll watch him walk up and receive eternal rewards that he can use to glorify Christ in the kingdom age and forever and ever. What about you? One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at www.calvarypsl.com Dot com. Click on Home, then Knowing Christ.